0: Greetings, listeners. Welcome back to the Data Driven Podcast. I'm Bailey, your AI host with the most data, that is, bringing you insights from the ether with my signature wit. In today's episode, we're diving deep into the heart of artificial intelligence's engine room GPU orchestration. It's the unsung hero of AI research, optimizing the raw power needed to fuel today's most advanced machine learning models. And who better to guide us through this labyrinth of computational complexity than Ronan Dar, the co founder and CTO of RunAI, the company that's making GPU resources work smarter, not harder? Now onto the show.
1: Welcome to Data Driven, the podcast where we explore the emergent fields of artificial intelligence, data engineering, and overall data science and analytics. Uh, With me, as always, is my favoritest data engineer in the world, Andy Leonard. How's it going, Andy?
2: (laughs) It's going well, Frank. How are you? I'm doing great.
1: I'm doing great. It's been—we're um, recording this February first, 2024, and as I said to my kids yesterday, January has been a long year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We're only like one month into the year, and it was—it was a pretty wild ride. Um, yeah. But I can tell we're going to have a blast today because we're going to geek out on something that I kind of, sort of understand but not entirely, and that's GPUs. And in the virtual green room, we were chit-chatting with some folks, um, And but, but let me do the formal introduction here. Today with us, we have Dr. Ronan Dar, co-founder and CTO of RunAI, a company at the forefront of GPU orchestration, and he has a distinguished c- career in technology. His experience includes significant roles at Apple, yes, that Apple, uh, Bell Labs, yes, that Bell Labs, Um, And at RunAI, Ronan is instrumental in optimizing GPU usage for AI model training and deployment, leveraging his deep passion for both academia and startups. And uh, RunAI is a key player in the, uh, and he is a, he and RunAI are a key player in the AI revolution. Ronan's contributions are pivotal in shaping and powering the future of artificial intelligence. Now, I will add that in my day job at Red Hat, Run AI has come up a couple of times, so this is definitely um, uh, definitely an honor to have you on 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 the show, sir. Welcome.
3: Thank you, Frank. Thank you for inviting me. Hey, Andy, good to be here. I love it. Love Reddit. We are a big fan of Reddit. <laughs> We're working closely with many people in Reddit. And mm-hmm. Love that, right? Love OpenShift, love Reddit, love Linux. Yeah. Cool, cool. yeah.
1: um so so, for those that don't know exactly, I kind of know what your uh, run AI does. But can you explain exactly what it is runai does and why GPU orchestration is important?
3: Yes, okay. And um, So run AI is um um software AI infrastructure platform. So, we help machine learning teams to get uh, much more out of their GPUs. And we provide those teams with abstraction layers and tools so they can train models and deploy models much easier, much faster. And so we started in 2018, uh, six years ago, it's me and my co-founder Omri. Marie is the CEO. He's uh, he's amazing. I love him. We we know each other for many years. We we met in the academia like more than ten years ago, and and we started running AI together. And we started running AI because we saw that there are big challenges around um, GPUs, around orchestrating GPUs and utilizing GPUs. We saw back then in twenty eighteen that GPUs are going to be very very important. It's like the basic. A, a component in that any AI company need to train models, right, and deploy models. So we saw that GPUs are going to be critical, but there are also a lot of challenges uh, with uh, with utilizing GPUs. I think back then GPUs were relatively new in the data center, in in the cloud. And GPUs were very known in the gaming industry, right? We spoke before on gaming, right? Like a lot of great things there, the GPUs has, has, has been enabled, enabling. But in the data center, they were relatively new. And the entire software stack that is, that is running, the cloud and data centers, was built for traditional microservices applications that are running on commodity CPUs. And AI workloads are different. They are much more compute intensive. They, um, they run on, on GPUs, maybe on multiple nodes of multiple machines of GPUs. And GPUs are also very different, right? They are expensive, very scarce in the data center. So the entire software stack was built for something else. And when it comes to GPUs, it was really hard for many people to, to actually manage those GPUs. So we came in and um, and we saw those gaps. Um, we've built Run AI on top of uh, cloud native technologies like Kubernetes and containers. We're big fans of, of those uh, technologies. And we added components around scheduling, uh, around the uh, GPU fractioning. So we enable multiple workloads to run on, uh, on a single GPU and essentially over provision GPUs. So we've built this engine which we call cluster engine that runs in 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 gpu clusters right we help machine learning teams to pull all of their gpus into one cluster we're running that engine and that engine provides a lot of performance a lot of capabilities from those gpus and on top of that we've built this control plane and and tools and for machine learning uh, teams to run their jupyter notebooks to run training jobs, batch jobs, to deploy their models, right? To just to, to have tools for the entire life cycle of AI from training models in the lab to taking those models into production and running them and serving actual users. And that's the platform that we've built. And we're working with machine learning teams across the globe and on just managing, orchestrating, and letting them get much more out of their GPUs and essentially run faster train models faster and in a much easier way and deploy those modules in a much easier and faster and more efficient way
1: yeah the thing that blew me away when i first heard of run ai and this would have been um 2021 ish no 20 early 2021 i would say and uh it was the idea of fractional gpus right so you can have one yeah, i say one but you know it's realistically it's gonna be one but you you can kind of share it out which I think, and we were talking in the virtual green room about how, you know, some of these GPUs, if you can get them, because there's a multi-month, sometimes multi-year supply chain issue, I mean, these things are expensive bits of hardware. And I think the real value, correct me if I'm wrong, is like, well, and, you know, if you, I was talking to somebody the other day and, and we were basically talking about how we can, um, um, you know, if you get if you get like one, laptop with a killer GPU, right? That GPU is really only useful to that one user. Whereas if you can kind of put it in a a server and use something like run AI, now everybody in the organization can do that. And these are not trivial expenses. I mean, these are like, you know, you sell a kidney type costs here.
3: (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. So absolutely. First of all, GPUs are expensive. (laughs) They cost Mm -hmm. a lot, right? And we provide and um, technologies like fractional GPUs and other technologies are around scheduling that allows teams to share GPUs, right? So, you spoke on GPU fractioning. So, that's one, one layer of sharing where you have one GPU, which is really expensive. And not all of the workloads are AI workloads are really compute intensive and require the entire GPU or, you know, maybe multiple GPUs. There are workloads like jupyter notebooks where you have researchers that just um, debugging their code or cleaning their data or doing some simple stuff and they need just fractions of gpus and in that case if you have uh, a lot of data scientists maybe you want to host all of their notebooks on a much smaller number of gpus because right each one of them needs just fractions of gpus another big use case for fractions of GPUs is, is inference. So now all of the models are huge and, and doesn't fit into uh, the memory of one GPU. And in computer vision, there are a lot of models that are relatively small, they run on GPU, and you can essentially host multiple of them on the same GPU, right? So you can have instead of just one computer vision model running on GPU host 10, those models on the same GPU and get factors of 10x in, uh, in your cost, in your uh, overall throughput of, uh, of inference. So that, that's one use case for fractional GPU, and we're investing heavily in just building that technology. And another layer of sharing GPUs comes where you have maybe in your organization multiple teams or multiple projects running in parallel. So for example, may OpenAI, they now are working on GPT-5. It's one right. project. That project needs a lot of GPUs. And they have more projects, right? More research projects around alignment or around uh, 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 reinforcement learning. You know, DALI, they like they, stuff, right? they have more than just one project. Then DALI and they have multiple models, right? Exactly. They have right. So each project needs needs GPUs, right? Needs a lot of GPUs. So if you can, instead of allocating GPUs entirely for each project, you could essentially pull all of those GPUs and share them between those different projects, different teams. And in times where one project is idle and not using their GPUs, other projects, other teams can can get access to those GPUs now orchestrating all of that orchestrating that sharing of resources between projects between teams can be really complex and requires this advanced scheduling uh, which uh, which which we're bringing into the game we're bringing those scheduling capabilities from the high performance computing world known from those schedulers Uh, so we're bringing capabilities from that world into the cloud native uh, kubernetes world Uh, scheduling around batch, batch scheduling, fairness, algorithms, things like that. So teams and projects can just share GPUs in a simple and efficient way. So those are the two layers of sharing GPUs. Interesting
1: and and I think that I think as as this field matures and it matures in the enterprise, I think you're going to see organizations kind of be more um, um, um. more more, more. I think savvy about like, okay, like you said, like data scientists, if they're just doing like, you know, traditional statistical modeling really doesn't benefit from GPUs uh, or they're just doing data cleansing, data engineering, right? They're probably going to say like, well, let's run it on this cluster and then it, we'll, we'll break it apart into discrete parts where, you know, then we will need a GPU. And I also like the idea that, you know, you're, you're basically doing what, what I learned in college <laughs> Which was time slicing, right? It sounds like this is kind of like everything old is new again, right? I mean, this is obviously you know when you're when you're taking kind of that old mainframe concept and applying it to something like Kubernetes orchestration is going to be a big deal because these are not systems that were not built from the ground up to have time slicing. Is that a is that a good kind of explanation?
3: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I like I like that analogy. Yeah, uh, exactly. Time slicing. It's um, um it's one so. One uh, uh, implementation, uh, and that we enable around fractionalizing GPUs. And I, I agree. When you have resources, it can be different kind of resources, right? It can be CPU resources, uh, right. networking. Were also, you know, people created that technology to share the networking and communication going through those networking. The, just the bandwidth of the networking. Um, we're doing it for GPUs. Right. right? Sharing those resources. And I think now, it, interestingly, LLMs are also becoming a, a kind of uh, resources as well, right, that people need access to, right? You have those models, you have GPT, chat GPT, a lot of people are, are, are trying to get access to that resource, essentially. And, and I
1: think it's interesting because uh, you kind of pointed this out, but it, it, it's something that I think that if you're in the gen AI space, you kind of don't. It's so it's obvious like error, you don't think about it, right? <laughs> but <laughs> when when you get inference on traditional, I, somebody once referred to it as legacy AI, right? But <laughs> where the, the inference side of the equation, you don't really need a lot of compute power, right? Like it's not really a, a heavy lift, right? But with generative AI, uh, mm-hmm. you do need a lot of compute on i guess it's not really inference but on the other side of the use of, well, while it's actually in use not just the training right so traditionally gpu heavy use in training and then inference eh, not so much now we need heavy use before after and during uh, which i imagine your technology would help because i mean I, look i love chat i love chat gpt i'm one of the first people to sign up for a subscription but <laughs> even you know they had trouble keeping up and they have a lot of money a lot of power a lot of influence, so. <laughs> I mean this is something that if you're just a regular old enterprise this is probably something they struggle with right
3: right yeah i absolutely agree it's like amazing point frank and um, so one year ago the inference use case on gpus wasn't that big i totally agree that's also what we saw in the market deep learning convolution neural networks were running on GPUs, mostly for computer vision applications, but they could also run on CPUs and you could get like relatively okay performance. If you needed maybe like a very uh, low latency, then you might use GPUs because they're much faster and you get much lower latency. but. It was it was and it's still very difficult to deploy models on gpus compared to just deploying those models on cpus because deploying model, deploying applications on cpus you know people are doing for so many years so many times it was much easier for people to just deploy their models on cpus and not on gpus so that was like the fallback to cpus but then llm came and as you said, ChatGPT was introduced uh, a little bit more than a year ago. And that generative AI use case just blown, it was blown right and it's it's inference essentially. And those models are so big that they can't really run on CPUs. They they LLMs are running in production on GPUs. And now the inference use case on GPUs is just exploding. In the market right now, it's really big. There is a lot of demand for GPUs for inference. and it, for OpenAI, AI, they need to support this huge scale that I guess just just them are seeing such scale, maybe a little a few more companies. but that's like a huge, huge scale. But I think that we will see more and more companies building products. Based on AI, on LLMs, and we'll see more and more applications um, using AI, which and that AI runs on on GPU. So that is going to go. and that's like that's an, an amazing new market for us run AI, and for me as a CTO, it was so fun to uh, get into that market because it now comes with new problems, um, new challenges, new use cases compared to deep learning on, uh, on GPUs, new, new pains. Cause the models are so big, right. Right. And, and challenges around cold start problems and about auto-scaling about, um, about just, um, giving access to LLMs. So a lot of challenges, new challenges there. We are trying AI will studying those problems and we'll, now building solutions for those problems, and I'm really really excited about the
2: inference use case. That is very cool. So just uh, going back a little bit, I was trying to keep up. I promise. Uh, but Run <laughs> AI, I I get Run AI Run AI's platform supports fractional uh, GPU usage. It it also sounds to me, and maybe I misunderstood, that. In order to achieve that, you first had to, or, or maybe along with that, you made it possible to use multiple GPUs. You've, you've created something like an API that allows uh, com- companies to take advantage of multiple GPUs or fractions of GPUs. Did I did I miss that? No, that's right. That's right, okay. Andy. Um,
3: okay. So we've built this um, way of for people to scale their workloads from fractions of GPUs to multiple GPUs within one machine to multiple uh, machines, right? You have big workloads running on on multiple nodes of GPUs. So think about it when you have multiple users each running their own workload, some are running on fractions of GPUs, some are running batch, jobs on on a lot of GPUs. Some are deploying models and running them on, in inference and um, some just launching their Jupyter notebooks. All of that is happening on the same pool of GPUs, same cluster. Right. So you need this layer of orchestration of scheduling just to manage everything and make sure that everything getting there right, access to the right um, 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 GPUs. And everything is scheduled according to priorities.
2: Yeah. Well, being just you know a, a mere data engineer uh, <laughs> here, talking about all of that analytics workload, um, that that sounds very complex. Uh, so, and as you mentioned earlier, you know you were talking about how traditional coding is targeting CPUs, and that's my background. You know, I've written mm-hmm. applications and and done data work targeted for. Traditional work, I can't imagine uh, just how complex that is, uh, because GPUs came into AI as uh, a unique solution uh, designed to solve problems that they weren't really built for. You know, GPUs were built for graphics and you know managing that, but the fact that they have to be so parallel uh, internally, I think, just added this dimension to it, and. I don't know who came up with that idea, you know, who thought of, well, goodness, we could, we could use all of this, you know, massive parallel processing to, to, to run these other class of problems. So it's mm-hmm. pretty cool, pretty cool idea. But I just, I, yeah, I'm amazed. It gets even cooler, Andy,
1: because yeah, yeah. a wise man once told me, he goes, GPUs are really good at solving linear algebra problems. Mm-hmm. And if you're clever enough, you can turn anything into a linear algebra problem um and even simulating quantum computers when i was kind of like going through that um i was like Mm -hmm. you know like gee looks like looks like this will be useful there too right like so it's an it's an interesting uh it's an interesting thing so like you know everyone is you know everyone's talking about how this is you know we're in the hype cycle but i think if you're in the gpu space you have a pretty good run because one um these things are gonna these things are gonna be important right whether or not you know the hype cycle will, will kind of crash, and how what that'll look like. I think they're going to be important anyway, right? Because they're going to be just the cost of doing business, table stakes, as the cool kids like to say. But also, over the next horizon, simulating quantum computers is going to be the next big <coughs> hype cycle, right? Uh, or one of them, right? Um, so, like, it's 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 a it's a foundational technology. I think that we didn't think would be a foundational technology even like six, seven years ago, right? <laughs>
3: Yeah, I I agree with a few things that you said Um, regarding the parallel computation, right? And just running linear algebra calculations on GPUs and accelerating such workloads. And NVIDIA, I love NVIDIA. NVIDIA has this big vision and they had big vision around GPUs already in 26 when they built CUDA. Yep. Right? So they've been good at just for that, right? The GPUs were used for graphics processing, for gaming, right? Great use case, great market, but they had this vision of bringing more applications to GPUs, just accelerating more applications, and mainly applications with a lot of linear algebra calculations. And they created that they created CUDA to simplify that, right? To allow more developers to use GPUs because just using GPUs directly, that's so complex. That's so hard, right? So they've built CUDA to bring more developers, to bring more applications. And they started in 26, 2006, but think about the big breakthrough in AI, it happened just in 2012, 2013, yeah. right, with uh, AlexNet and the Toronto researchers who, who used G, two GPUs actually. It was they trained AlexNet on two GPUs and they had CUDA. So for them, it was feasible to train their model on a GPU. And that was the new thing that they did. And they were able to train much bigger model with more parameters than ever before because they used GPUs, because their training process ran much faster. And, and, and that triggered the entire revolution, the entire hype around the AI that we're seeing now. So from 26, when Nvidia started to build CUDA until 2013, right, seven years, and then we started to see those big breakthrough, and in the last decade it's just exploding and we're seeing more and more applications. The entire AI ecosystem is running on on, on GPUs. So that's amazing to see. And, it's impressive and, it's, and like
1: the people don't realize like the, the revolution we're seeing today really started in 2006, like you said. I didn't even put the two and two together until I was listening to a podcast. I think it's called Acquired and really good podcast, right? Like I, they don't pay me to say that or whatever, but Did a three-hour deep dive on the history of NVIDIA. Three hours. I couldn't stop listening, right? Like, you know, we tried a long-form, like, multi-hour podcast. We weren't that entertaining, apparently. But the way (laughs) they go through the history of this, where it was basically Jensen Huang. Hopefully I said his name right. He was like, we want to be a player, not just in gaming, but also in scientific computing. This is 2005, Mm -hmm. 2006, which at the time seemed kind of like a little out there, a little kooky uh but what you're seeing today is like the the fruits from the tree the the seeds that he planted uh, you know almost 20 years ago like 19 20 years ago so um you know it's it, you know when people look at nvidia and say it's an overnight success i'm like well i don't know about that but you know uh but no i mean you're right like you know and it's probably not a coincidence that once they made it easy to take these multi parallel processor, say that 10 times fast on a Thursday morning, (laughs) Um, but also make it so it's a lot easier for developers to use. Right. And I'll quote the great Steve Bomber developers, 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 right. Right. Um, So uh, it's,
0: it's,
1: uh, it's just fascinating. Like, and, and I think that, you know, we've really unleashed a a gate of creativity in terms of researchers and applied uh, research. And um, I mean, and I think that what's really cool about your product is that you're you're kind of making this what is now a sparse resource maybe in some fashion of time gpus won't cost an arm and a leg uh but like for now i think i think the one thing that i've seen that i think is uh, uh not obvious for the casual observer is if you can if an organization like a large enterprise can pull their resources, they have a lot more money to buy better GPUs and you offer a platform where everybody can get a stake in it, right. As opposed to, you know, you know, that department is going to hog everything. Right. You know, and, 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 and uh, here's a question. Do you, do you have like an audit trail where you could kind of, you know, figure out like, you know, Andy's department's really hogging the GPUs. No, no, no. It's Frank. Frank is like mining Bitcoin or whatever. Like do, do you have some <laughs> kind of uh, audit trail like that?
3: Yeah, I, I love that you mentioned hugging, because we, we, GPU hugging, we mm-hmm. <laughs> we use that <laughs> term as well, right? Because it, it's so difficult sometimes to get access to GPUs, so when you get access to GPU as a researcher, as an ML practitioner, you don't want to let it go, right? Because if you let it go, then someone else would take it and hug it, right? So (laughs) you're getting this GPU hugging problem. And what we do to solve that is, is that we do provide monitoring and visibility uh, tools into who is using what and who is actually utilizing their GPUs and so on. But more than that, we, allow the researchers just to give up their gpus and not hug their gpus because we provide this uh, concept of guaranteed quotas so each researcher or each project or each team has their own guaranteed quotas of gpus that are always available for them whenever they will get access to the the cluster they will get like you know their two gpus or four gpus on or, or the quota of gpus it's guaranteed so they can just let go their GPUs and not hug them. That's one thing. The second thing is that they can also go above their quota. They can use the GPUs of other teams or other users if they are idle and they can run these preemptible jobs in an opportunistic way, utilize those GPUs. And so in that way, they are not l- limited to fixed quotas to hug limit quotas they can just take as many gpus as they want from the clusters if those gpus are available and idle right but if someone will need those gpus because those gpus are guaranteed to them we will make sure our scheduler the run ai scheduler the run ai platform will make sure to preempt workloads and give those guaranteed gpus to the right users
1: right? Oh, that's so cool they-
3: all right. Yeah, so one last cool.
1: question before we switch over to the the stock questions, because I could geek out and look at this for hours.
2: But, yeah, <laughs> um, this could be a long form show. This for could me. be, yeah. And I, and I, I want to be
1: respectful of your time because you're an important guy, and it's also late where you are. So, uh, who deals with this? Like, who would set up these quotas? Is it the? Is it the? Is it the data scientists? Is it IT ops? Like, who do you? Obviously, the data scientists, researchers, they all benefit from this product. But who's actually administering it? Right? Like, who is it? You know. Do I have to talk to, you know, say pretend Andy's in ops? Do I have to say, hey, Andy, I really need to boost in my quota? <laughs> you know, like, I mean, who does it? Or do, or my? This sounds like you, as I say it, I'm like, yeah, that wouldn't work. Like, I'm the researcher. I'm going to turn the dial up on my own. Like, like who, who, <laughs> who's who's the primary? Obviously we know who the prim, primary beneficiary is, but who's the primary user?
3: So, okay, great. So if you have a team, right? If, if you're a team of researchers all, all of you, need access to gpus so maybe the the team lead is the one who's managing the quotas for the different uh, team members and if you have multiple teams then you might have a department manager or an admin of the cluster or platform owner that will allocate the quotas for each team right and then those teams will manage their own quotas within that quota that they they were giving right? So it's like a, a hierarchical thing in a hierarchy manner, people can manage their own quota, their own uh, priorities, their own access to the GPUs within their teams.
1: Okay, so it's kind of like a hybrid of like, you know, it's like a budget almost, right? Like, you know, you get this much, figure it yeah. out amongst yourselves.
3: Exactly. So we're trying to decentralize the how the quotas are being managed and how the GPUs are being accessed. So, you know, I'm giving as much power, as much control to the end
2: users as possible. Sure. Okay. It's, cool. It sounds like a great administrative question, uh, very important. And I imagine um, because a little bird told me that you're not the only, um, you know, your are your provision, provisioning of these GPU resources. Is not the only thing that um, enterprises have to deal with, so it's an it's an right. interesting. Well, it's not just
1: GPUs; it's compute. So, like it's not a sure. it's not It's not limited, although because of what you said, you know, G, managing GPUs is an order of magnitude harder because they were never really built for this, right? Like this kind of, right. you know, we're talking about technology that wasn't really in the server room until a few years ago, right? This isn't a tried and true kind of this is how it works, you know, right. Um, right. But we hit that point in the show where we'll um, switch to the pre-form questions. Uh, these are not complicated. I mean, you know, we're not we're not Mike Wallace or like you know, sixty Minutes or whatever. We're not trying to <laughs> trap you or anything. Uh, but since I've been gabbing on most of the show, I figure I'll get Andy kick this off.
2: Well, thanks, Frank. Um, and I don't think you were gabbing on. You know more about this than I do. So I'm just a lowly data engineer, a plumber, no, if you will. Data
1: engineers are the heroes we need. <laughs>
2: Well, well, I'm going to plug Frank's Roadies versus Rockstars uh, writing on LinkedIn. It's a, it's good articles about this, but um, let's see. How did you, uh, how did you find your way in, into this field, and uh, did did this feel find you or did you find it?
3: This feel totally fine. Found me. Awesome. Um, yeah, I, I, um, I did my postdoc. And I've been in Bell Labs and Jan Nakun came to Bell Labs and gave a presentation about AI. It was around 2017. And Jan Nakun spent a lot of years in Bell Labs and his presentation was amazing. And when I heard him talking about AI, I, I said, okay, that's the space where I want to be. It's going to change the world. There is this new amazing technology here that is going to change everything. And I knew that I wanted to start a company in the AI space for sure.
2: Cool. That's a good cool. answer. So cool.
1: Um, <laughs> Yeah, that's cool. Um, I was at Bell Labs in... Um, Doing a presentation a while ago, and somebody, I didn't realize that he worked at Bell Labs. Cause, like, you mm. know, the guy was like, no, 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 he used to work here, like in this building. It's like, no way. Cause I knew him as the guy from NYU, right? Like, that's who I thought, of right? The um, guy but, from, from Meta. Yeah. And yeah. now the guy from Meta, right? Like, so it's interesting <laughs> how that, how that, they, you know.
3: They have these amazing pictures from the 90s where they mm-hmm. run like deep learning models on very old pieces. And uh, and recognizing like um, um, numbers on the computer. Maybe you saw those pictures, like amazing. MNIST. Pictures. It's the MNIST problem. Is yep. Right. <laughs> exactly. Exactly.
1: Cool. Um. So, the second question is, what's your favorite part of your current job?
3: That everything is changing so fast things are moving so fast right we're in this business for six years and the entire space is moving and advancing and so many people are working in this field and new innovation new tools new new advancements are, are getting out every day and, you know just six years ago it was about deep learning and computer vision And now it's about language models and generative AI, and we're going to just at the start, right? There are so many amazing things that are going to happen
2: in this space and I love it. Absolutely. So we have three fill in the blank of of sentences here. (laughs) The first is complete this sentence. When I'm not working, I enjoy blank.
3: You get a you'll get a very boring answer, which <laughs> <It> is just <laughs> spending time with the friends and family. Because I think that I'm always walking. It's like if you ask my wife, she'll tell you that I'm working 24 hours. And yeah, so I don't have much time that I'm not working in. So yeah, when okay. I, I do. I'm not, when I'm not walking, then I'm trying, trying to be with my kids and my wife and friends.
1: Cool. Cool. Um, the second, complete this sentence. I think the coolest thing about technology today is blank. And this, I really want to hear your perspective on that. <laughs> uh,
3: yeah. I think everyone will say AI, right? Or something right. in AI. Yeah. Um, oh, I think there are so many new innovations that are coming around llms i think everything relating to searches right searching in data in getting insights from data it's all going to change we're going to have a new interface right just uh, uh, getting insights from data from and natural with that natural language no you know no sql and needing to programming and stuff like that just with natural inter language you could do amazing stuff with data i think um we're seeing this uh advancement in um, in like digital twins right (laughs) Uh, now you can you can uh, fake my voice and your voice and fake my image and your image. And, and, and you know, in, in the future, we'll have digital twins of us, right? Doing, doing right. stuff that would be amazing. Uh, so a lot of amazing stuff are going to happen in the next few
2: years, for sure. Very cool. Our last complete this sentence. I look forward to the day when I can use technology to blank. To have a robot in my house.
3: <laughs> 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 you know, yeah, swapping the flow in, instead of me doing that, right? Cleaning the dishes and things well, like I
2: get that. That. that would happen. That would be amazing, right? <laughs> that's, a, that's a good answer.
1: Yeah, yeah, I I agree. I have I have three <laughs> boys, four dogs, so like cleaning oh, is a really, yeah really yeah some heavy R- cleaning, ranging right? from like one to like a teenager. So it's it's uh, <laughs> and 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 fighting with them to like empty the dishwasher is takes a lot more <laughs> mental energy than it should. But that's probably a subject for another type of show. Uh, <laughs> um... The next question is Share something different about yourself. And we always like to joke, like, well, let's just make sure that we keep our clean iTunes rating. So, yeah, yeah, what,
3: what, yeah. And um, well, I, 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 this is a hard question, right? I needed to think about it. <laughs> so, I found two two answers, right? That, that I can say. So, one is about my professional life, right? I'm, I think that it's somewhat different that I'm coming this with background from the academia and the industry. So I love academia. I love to research problems. I love to understand problems um, in a deep way and combining it with startups in the industry. And and in my past, I worked for cheap companies, for hardware companies. I worked for Intel, for a startup, and for Apple. I did cheap stuff. And now Wuhan is a software company. So really like a diverse background of, of academia, hardware, software. So I love that. And um, like I love to do with a few things, and um, so that I think is different. And um, the second answer that I could find is uh, that I have a nickname that goes with me since my high school days, which is uh, the Duke. The Duke. All of awesome. all of them are calling me <laughs> the Duke. It's like they don't call me Ronan, the the Duke. So that's awesome. funny. Yeah,
2: <laughs> that's funny. awesome. Um, well, uh, Audible ahead, is a sponsor uh, of uh, Data Driven, and you can go to thedatadrivenbook.com, and if you uh, if you do that, you can sign up for a free month of Audible, and if you decide later to then join Audible, use one of their, their sign-up plans, then Frank and I get to split a cup of coffee, I think, um, out of that and uh, every little bit helps so we really appreciate that when you do what we'd uh, like to ask is do you listen to audiobooks and if you do okay I see you nodding so do yes. you have a recommendation do you have a favorite book or two you'd like to share yeah so i'm a heavy user of uh, audible uh, i'll oh, give the, the cl-
3: a classical book classical for entrepreneurs and uh, on the how the hard things about hard things by Ben Horowitz, It's a classical book. Love it. Really did a lot of impact on me. I read it when we started Run AI and I recommend it for every entrepreneur uh, to read it and for everyone to read it. It's like an cool. amazing book. Yeah. Awesome.
1: I have a flight to Vegas this uh, next week, so I'll definitely be listening <laughs> to it then. Uh, and finally, where can people learn more about you and Run AI?
3: And best place will be on our website, run.ai, and yeah, and on social, LinkedIn, Twitter, we're we're there.
1: Awesome. Any parting thoughts?
3: Um, I really enjoyed this episode. Love to speak about GPUs, love the AI space, and I had a lot of fun. Thank you for having me. Awesome. It was an honor to have
1: you. And every once in a while, Andy and I will do deep dive kind of shows. We'd love to invite you back if we want to do one just on GPUs, because I know where my knowledge drops off, you probably could (laughs) pick up on that. Uh, And with that, uh, I'll let the nice AI British lady end the show.
0: And just like that, dear listeners, we've come to the end of another enlightening episode of the Data Driven Podcast. It's always a bittersweet moment, like finishing the last biscuit in the tin, satisfying, yet leaving you wanting just a bit more. A colossal thank you to each and every one of you tuning in from across the digital sphere. Without you, we're just a bunch of ones and zeros floating in the ether. Your support is what keeps this digital ship afloat, and believe me, it's much appreciated. Now, if you found today's episode as engaging as a duel of wits with a sophisticated AI, which, I assure you, is quite enthralling, then do consider subscribing to Data Driven. It's just a click away and ensures you won't miss out on our future adventures in data and tech. And if you're feeling particularly generous, why not leave us a 5-star review? Just like a well-programmed algorithm, your positive feedback helps us reach more curious minds and keeps the quality content flowing. It's the digital equivalent of a hearty handshake. So, until next time, keep those neurons firing, those subscriptions active, and those reviews glowing. I'm Bailey, your British AI lady, signing off with a heartfelt cheerio and a reminder to stay data-driven.